admiring your handiwork? Touring the riot scene. Gravely assessing the devastation. Upstanding mayor stuff. You're not the mayor. Things change. What do you want? Ah, the direct approach. I admire that in a man with a mask. <laughs> you don't really think you'll win, do you? Things change. Fans without pants and socks and a 52-inch waist, uh, episode number 53. I'm uh, Dane, and Tim's with me. Tim, say hello to the good people really fast, really quick, right now. Hurry hello, up. Hello, 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 But it's episode 54. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang it. 54, 54, my bad. This is episode number 54. We're, we're almost old, I guess <laughs> we could say. <laughs> we're almost senior citizens. I don't know. Yeah, we're almost senior citizens, and we're almost we're almost at re- retirement age, Tim. And, and we can go into McDonald's and get the senior uh, the senior discount. Yeah, I wonder how much you're actually saving now. I mean, if does it if discount keeps getting less and less as prices continue to go up and up for these different. Items at fast food type places. I wonder what it's like now. If it's even like much of a discount or towards it at all. It's like twenty cents on yeah. the dollar. By the time we're like, citizens, they'll probably do away with the whole senior citizen discount thing. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. No social security, no senior citizens discount. It's like you're gonna be working till you're dead. Yeah, but I mean. I mean, I, I don't think they're ever going to get rid of that because, like, that's how they get the old people to go there. Because, like, old people, they they want a good deal. And, like, e- even if it's only, like, 20 cents for, like, a $5 cup of coffee, you know, old people are still going to go there, right? Yeah, you're right. I mean, when I used to work in retail and I was at the cash register, Whenever a senior citizen will come in and say, any senior citizen discount you can give me? It's like, uh, sorry, <laughs> not for video games. <laughs> <laughs> what's a what's an old person doing buying an N64? <laughs> well, it's for, like, their grandkids. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I wonder how much discount you would get on, on like, a PlayStation uh, – what is it, PlayStation 4? Yeah, PlayStation 4 and Xbox 360. Like, if, if there was a senior citizen uh, discount, I don't know how much that would be. Probably be a dollar at the most. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like a dollar and, like... Well, our generation would be, like, the first group of senior citizens who probably will still be buying video games when they're old. Oh, yeah, right. So hopefully by then we'll get discounts off it. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's going to be like the new um the the new coffee 
or like the new uh, the new sit, uh, senior citizen discount. You know, it's not going to be coffee anymore. Or it's not going to be, you know, an egg McMuffin or whatever. It's it's going to be video games, and like we're going to get like twenty five dollars off uh, a new video game, or like thirty dollars off a used video game. Or since uh, we'll be senior citizens, they'll only give us discounts on like the old school games, like the PS4 games and Xbox One games. Now are the only ones we'll get discounts on. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. They'll and find like the only thing that's gonna be, yeah, like the old, the only thing that's gonna be available is gonna be like Superman 64, that Batman <laughs> Beyond game that you buy. <laughs> Probably, yeah, you can have a discount on those. <laughs> and I'll probably be stupid enough to buy them again because they're, they're discounted. <laughs> These will bring back old memories. <laughs> old heartache. It's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, it, it, it'd be kind of like that girl that you didn't ask out that, like, haunts you. Mm. <laughs> Superman 64 is going to be that game for you. It's like, why... Why did I buy it? Why did I waste all that money? It's going to be what ends up killing me, watch. (laughs) I decide to pop it in again, and then it kills me while I'm playing it. (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, anyway, other than uh, we're getting old, and this podcast is getting old, the the, the Batman Universe podcasts are are really old. They're they're like on their deathbeds or whatever. But 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 like still still like holding on to like that last little inch of life, I guess you would you you'd say. Like they're really old, so at least we're like half their age, and you know we can still like run stuff, right? Yeah, it gives us hope that we can go on just as long. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't die at a young age. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they didn't die at three <laughs> three episodes. <laughs> This would be a, a site for like a, pod, a podcast uh, grave uh, graveyard or something. That was all the podcasts that didn't make it or are now dead and not not going anymore. <laughs> this shows you how many episodes yeah. they lasted. Yeah, and I wonder if there's going to be like a special place for like all of those podcasts that only put out like two episodes and like they just gave up. Yeah, <laughs> there's probably tons of those. Yeah. But thankfully, we're not one of them, so <laughs> we made it all the way to 54, us in our old age. <laughs> yes, in our old, old age, our age that I, I I think we might be older than my dad. So we got that going for it. My, I'm not, our podcast is not quite as old as my dad's, but <laughs> we're almost there, just a few more years. <laughs> how how. How old is your dad? Sixty-one. Okay, so so we got seven more episodes to do, or yeah, yeah, seven more episodes until we can tie your dad and then surpass him. <laughs> and then surpass him into old age. <clears throat> but but the record is gonna be uh, my great grandmother uh, because uh, she she died last year. And uh, just just give me a guess where you what year you think she was born? Nineteen. I'll just say nineteen twenty. No, 
1909. Wow. Nice. She was 104. Wow. She died. Really? Uh, hopefully you yeah. inherited those genes. <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. I hope I don't live to 104 because, like, oh, I don't think I could. Really? I mean, like, I mean, 70, A.B. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if you're all there mentally, I mean, why wouldn't you want to? You can still enjoy things. Yeah, yeah. Well, my grandma kind of wasn't there. My great grandmother wasn't wasn't there mentally. I mean, she she was still like, she didn't have Alzheimer's or anything, but like she she would she just didn't like, huh? Like, how do I put this? Uh, well, it's understandable when uh, 104. And she <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, she she could talk to you and have a conversation, but like she would get tired and like close her eyes and like just like nod off. Okay. So I mean, I I, I guess it's a good life, right? I mean, I guess that's like like if you're over a hundred, like if you're over a hundred, I mean, I I guess all you do is lay down and sleep, right? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much all you can do. Like I said, if you're still there mentally, maybe you find some stuff you could enjoy, like maybe watch TV or something, or maybe still read. I don't know. <laughs> you can at least do that if you're all there. <laughs> so hopefully if I make it there, I'll, I can be able to read comics and still watch TV. <laughs> I don't think I'll be able to play video games, but... <laughs> no way. You're arthritis, then. Arthritis yes. will get the better of you. Uh, but anyway, speaking of movies and watching them... Uh, how about we, um, how about we, uh, do our Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute commentary for, uh, minute 9 to minute 10, we're finally breaking into the double digits, though. Yes, maybe, this, uh, maybe by the time we finish it, we will be <laughs> that old, <laughs> hopefully so we will watch TV, we'll do the commentary. <laughs> Uh, hopefully we can finish it in our lifetime. We don't have to pass it on to our kids. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you must continue on with your legacy and finish minute-by-minute minute commentary of Dark Knight Rises. And that's the last word. <laughs> You'd be like, but Grandpa, that movie is like 80 years old yeah. now. <laughs> There's been five reboots already. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, um, so all you got to do is just get your digital download, your uh, Blu-ray, your DVD to the nine-minute mark, and then I'm going to give the countdown and just hit, just uh, press uh, play. And, like, I, I mean, I don't even know why I say that because, like, it's not like anybody <laughs> is listening to this right now and is like, oh, wait, i got to pause the podcast to, <laughs> to find my <laughs> Darknet Rise Blu-ray, put it in my TV, turn on my TV, fast-forward it to the nine-minute mark, and then uh, hit play when Dane says play. Because I'll be honest, I mean, every I, time I listen to a commentary podcast on something, I, I never listen to it while watching the movie or TV episodes, like, I just listen to the podcast, and that's it. <laughs> like, I get a picture in my head yeah. what's going on. <laughs> yeah, me either. But uh, hopefully there's one person out there that's like, uh, that really is so invested in this podcast that they 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 pop in their DVD or whatever and watch it with us. That's my dream. <laughs> there's one person out there who does it. Like you said, they're just so dedicated. Yeah. 
I'm sure you can uh, keep on dreaming about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it won't come true, but... Well, you got to uh, have hope. Here, here, yeah, yeah, I guess you got to have hope. You got to have hope that one person in this world hasn't... hasn't I mean, uh, is, is so committed to this podcast, like Alex, and that they're just like, you know what, I'm just going to go all out. I'm going to be the greatest bat fans without pants and a 52-inch size waist and, and without socks fan that I'm going to put in a Blu-ray in my TV. <laughs> just for a minute every two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway... Before we get to the commentary, Tim, I don't know how we forgot. How could we forget, Tim? Oh, what did we forget? How could we forget? We finally got our 10th iTunes review. Oh, yes, we did. Good good catch, yes. <laughs> yes. And it's it's one of the best uh, reviews that we've gotten. Uh, I'm not going to select a favorite. I'm just going to say this is one of the best. And by by saying one of the best, I mean all of them are the best. So I, I don't know what that says, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Thank you for uh, getting us to 10. I think it happened right not yes, too long so after this... we recorded our last episode. So <laughs> it's like a day or two after we recorded our last one, like the 10th one went up. I think we were complaining on that last one. We got to get to 10. We're still stuck at 9. So we finally did it. Yeah, we finally got to 10. And... Uh, this one is from Patman, P- Patman9891, and he says his, the the title of his uh, review is "Great Podcast," and the um, and the review is this is hands down the best of the Batman Universe podcast. So with that said, I just want to tell everybody on all of the Batman Universe podcasts, you know, Dustin. Uh, Jinxie Baby, uh, <laughs> uh, Melinda, Joe, Stella, Donovan, in your face, in your face, in your face. So, We're so yeah, humble. <laughs> no, no, of course I'm playing Tim. Thank you, Patman9891. Uh, we we love you. Thank you for the tenth review. We'll never forget your name until Tim gets dementia and starts liking Star Trek, right? <laughs> well, I already do like some Star Trek, so that wouldn't be too far out of reach. Oh, <laughs> he likes. Uh, or when Tim gets dementia and starts to uh, like. What do you hate that? Well, there's a lot of crappy stuff out there. You gotta be able to pick one of them. Uh, that where he says that Batman Forever is his favorite Batman movie. It, it, it beats the Nolan movies. It beats <laughs> the Burton movies. That, that's his favorite. That's when you know I have dementia. Yes, <laughs> if I ever utter those words. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. So, with that said, and uh, Tim's uh, signs for dementia uh, being put out there, so if if any of you listeners happen to run into Tim and he says, "Oh my God, Batman Forever is my favorite movie," he has dementia and he needs to be put in an old age home. <laughs> yes, I give you permission. Right. 
So just just be wary. Just be wary. But uh, in the meantime, before you get the Metro, we're going to watch a good Batman movie, or at least a minute of it. Minute of it. So uh, you ready for the countdown, Tim? Let's do it. All right. So three, two, one, hit play. Just finished. Yeah, we finally see Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> Please just silhouette. Now this this is nitpicking, but whenever I see this part, I just wonder the time it took Alfred to say all this and to find the maid. Couldn't he just bring Bruce the food up himself and avoid all this with <laughs> Selena Kyle stealing the pearls? Oh, well, he's an old man. But he does it for a lot of steps. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. <you're> right. <laughs> Like, I know they had to get a different reason for Selena to go up there. It was like, that should be Alfred's job to do, because you kind of figure Bruce wouldn't really want anyone up there. But, yeah, like I well, said, he has other business. He's talking to Miranda. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he could have left it there for him before the party started. I'm sure he has a microwave up there. He could reheat it if it was cold. <laughs> and on that note, that's it. <laughs> Oh, no. It's done, Tim. <laughs> I just want i want to watch this movie now. <laughs> I don't want to forget this podcast. <laughs> Let's just watch the movie. <laughs> Sorry, um, it has to be in by minute by minute every two weeks. There's no way I can watch the whole movie anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, ever since we started this thing, I've been kind of avoiding this movie. And, like... Just so, like, when we see it, I mean, when we do this do this commentary, it's sort of fresh, and it's it's not like I've seen it, right? Yeah, well, I'll confess that I've watched it once already in the middle of our commentaries. I think, like, probably during minute five or something oh, like that. Oh, you cheater. <laughs> but I guess I'll make sure I won't watch it anymore for the next two years or so, <laughs> whatever long it's going to take. <laughs> it's gonna take like three, Tim. Okay, <laughs> three. But anyway, um, why don't you uh, give us our feature? No, no, wait, no, no. I don't think we should do our feature topic. You know why, Tim? Why must we skip it? Tell me why. Why? Because, because I was thinking about this topic. And uh, way before you sent this email. Really? <laughs> because I had watched <laughs> Batman Returns um, sometime last week. And I was like, <laughs> Man, that's oh, weird. Same year. Yeah. What? Oh. I yeah, so. watched it last Sunday as we're recording this episode. <laughs> it's just. I don't know. Well, j- just uh, introduce our feature topic, Tim. Okay. Yeah, so I watched Batman Returns last week for the first time in a few years, actually. So, And I've always liked Batman Returns. I know there's some problems with it. It's very divisive. I know amongst fans, some fans hate it, some love it. That is their favorite movie. But when I watched it that last week, I had a feeling I never had before. It was like 
man, this is pretty bad. <laughs> and But at the same time, yet there's still things I like about it where I still enjoy watching it. I don't know if it's a nostalgia thing, but it was more bad to me than it ever was, and it's 22 years now in existence. And it's just funny how you said you watched it recently, too, so that's great. So now that's what I wanted to talk about. Do you have that feeling, too? And is Batman Returns, do you hold it as a good movie or a bad movie? And right now I'm kind of kind of more in the middle, but it's leaning more towards bad now after this last <laughs> viewing of it. So as it is so much stuff in it that's not Batman. The, well, not technically Batman, but just Batman story, I guess. And to me, the biggest issue with it is how Penguin was treated and like that's not how I really want to see the Penguin. It's just a weird take on him. And I was watching, I was saying to myself, you know what, this is actually more of a Killer Croc story. Killer Croc should have been the villain instead of the Penguin. He was in the circus, he was in the circus freak show, he lives in the sewers, and they they couldn't maybe make him as, like, a lizard how he is now in the comics, but maybe like how he was in that uh, Joker story that uh, Brian Azzarello did, where... He had a skin condition, and he, but he still looked human. His skin was just kind of a little scaly, and it looked different. Right. And they just could have played that whole angle instead of the penguin, because I this just that wasn't the penguin. And there's certain other stuff in that movie that bugged me, where like really the whole thing with penguins gang getting control of the Batmobile. How do they get the schematics for the car? How do they know how to break the shields and get in there and rewire it and put that device in there? Like how how do they know how to do that? Like no no no. This is so fun with Max Shrek and trying to get the penguin to be mayor just so we can get his energy or plan up or something like that. Yeah, well, there were just more stuff that really bugged me when watching it. But at the same time, during the beginning is probably my favorite part of that whole action sequence. But like I said, it's still stuff I, I enjoyed watching it. More. I don't, it's probably mainly for nostalgia, but yeah, just, it's not holding up every viewing I watch it now. So <laughs> I don't think it's going to go down to the Batman Forever and Batman and Robin level, but... It's just not as enjoyable as it once was. Yeah, it's funny that you say that you you thought it was it, it would have worked better as a Killer Croc story because I was thinking the same thing except <laughs> nice. I was thinking more like more like a Mad Hatter story or, or a Scarecrow story, not so much Penguin. But you know, in in the recent comics, I can kind of see it. Because he's in everything, he's behind everything yeah. in every single comic, and I can kind of see it as, I mean, especially the 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 stuff where you know he wants to become mayor of Gotham or governor of Gotham or whatever. Yeah, I can kind of see that, and you know it makes sense. But I have to say that you know disqualifying uh, the the Nolan movies. Batman Returns is probably my favorite movie besides uh, the the Nolan movies. Really? Like, if you take the Nolan movies out of the equation, I'd probably pick um, Batman Returns because over eighty nine. I mean, half be yeah, over eighty nine. Okay. Probably because you know I was way too young for uh, eighty nine. And this was the first Batman movie I saw, so I would say like half of it is nostalgia, but like the other half is I think it's a really good movie. It's a really extremely dark movie. Some of it doesn't make sense at all, like the whole Catwoman thing, yeah, uh, and the, like the licking 
her hands and her biting her hands and yeah, stuff. Silly like stuff that. like that. I was like, oh, why is that in there? Come on. <laughs> like, you're trying to be really dark, but you know, silly stuff like that. Oh, come on. Yeah, but if you really think about it, you know, in, in Tim Burton's mind, do, do you think that he could simply just make a character, I mean, just strictly base it off the comics where she's just a cat burglar one and, like, she just steals stuff? Whereas, like, one day, you know, she, I mean, she's like a like a secretary uh, that, that you can beat on and stuff like that. And, like, one day she gets pushed out of a window, she falls, some magic happens, and then she, she becomes, like, this psychotic person. You know, I, I think it works really well if you come at it, like, through uh, Tim Burton's point of view, you know? Yeah, like, that's the main criticism, criticism I heard a lot of it, where it's not really a Batman movie. It's a Tim Burton movie that has Batman characters' names in it, and they kind of look like him. But he does his own weird things with it, obviously, like we saw with Penguin and Catwoman. And Catwoman, overall, I thought was probably the best part of the movie, except her origin, which I never got. And I just, even as a kid, I never really liked it. And even now, it's like it's even worse. Or can we just get an explanation as to... How was Cats brought her to life and gave her nine lives? To me, that's just the stupidest thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Having her have nine yeah. lives. And maybe give us an explanation, even as, as weird and crazy as it may be, to know why those cats were special and they <laughs> resurrected her and gave her nine lives. It's like, <sighs> Yeah, but yeah, but that that aside, that, that follow up scene where she enter she goes into her apartment. That was an awesome scene. I love that, that is, scene yeah. where she just goes crazy. She smashes stuff, and then, like, she finds, like, this pleather outfit in her, <laughs> in her closet and decides to, like, stitch it together. And I like how they made the claws those, um, what are those things called? Um, they almost kind of look like uh, fingernails or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those uh, those knitting things. Mm. I know the sewing things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like how they did that, and that's an awesome suit. Yeah, yes, it is. And like, I know a lot of people don't like it, but I love it. And like, I I think like the the best part of that is um, oh, I forgot what I was what I was gonna say, but <laughs> um, I will say too though that I like. I love the look of the movie, except maybe the penguin. I mean, I think he was done a little too over the top as far as making him look more like a penguin creature. But with Gotham, look really cool. I love the look of Gotham, even though in certain shots you can tell it's on a soundstage and a set. But <laughs> I love, like I said, Catwoman looked awesome. The Batman suit's one of my favorites, actually. And, of course, the greatest Batmobile of all time is in there. So <laughs> overall, visually, I love both Tim Burton's movie, but in particular Batman Returns, I love the look of it. But I think having it set in Winter Tomb gave it a nice uh, look and feel to it also. Not only winter, but Christmas. Yeah. Christmas, too. And, like, uh, to, to me, that's kind of iconic, you know, Batman and Christmas, especially that old Art Deco style mm. that they had in the, the Burton movies. That totally reminds me of, like, it's, it, it's totally nostalgic. Um, I I I, ju I just love the the you know the snow and the Christmas decorations and you know the the whole Art Deco style of, of that whole movie, and that totally reminds me of like being a child again 
and going to see that movie and buying all the toys, you know. Maybe that's part of the reason why I like it, and, you know, I don't see its flaws like you do, you know? Yeah, like I said, I know it's pretty divisive amongst fans. Some who love it and some who hate it, and I'm stuck in the middle, but kind of leaning towards more <laughs> the not enjoying it category. But, yeah, another thing that bugs me, too, about it, it's a small thing, but it just shows the inconsistency of the filmmakers where, Batman rips off his mask at the end, and the, the shot before you see he has the, the dark eyes, but then when he's about to take it off, they're not there, so you, you can see Michael Keaton's face without the dark makeup on there. It's like, oh, come on. Who cares if he showed him with the dark like makeup shadow stuff on there? <laughs> like, I, That bugs me every time. Yeah, it's not only that. Yeah, it's not only that. It's like, okay, he's clearly ripping rubber. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he, he, he's not ripping any material of substance. He's ripping rubber. <laughs> and it's funny, too, like certain scenes where first when he's talking to Penguin and Catwoman first shows up and that Shrek store explodes and she climbs on the rooftop. Penguin flies up there with his umbrella. And you think Batman would use his grappling hook to use it to go on the building real quick, but no, he runs towards the ladder and you see him like slowly walking up a ladder because he can't move in that suit. <laughs> it's like Batman would have been the first one there, not the last. <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of like Arkham, the, the Arkham games, you know. It feels weird going through a door. It's like Batman wouldn't go just go through a door. Well, when he's sneaking around. I can see it, but this one, everyone knows he's there, and it's a race to the rooftop, and he's the last one there because he's climbing a ladder and not using his back rabble. <laughs> like, they forgot he had that. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, besides, like, the little stuff, I mean, for a long time, that movie defined the Penguin for me until it was ruined in the recent comics. <laughs> I mean that that the whole origin story of of uh of Penguin, you know, and his dad played by Pee Wee Herman by the yeah. way, <laughs> which is really cool. <laughs> he couldn't get like how, how like I mean what is that? I said he couldn't give out one laugh <laughs> in the scenes, like when he yeah. threw him in the threw the basket into the lake. He went, uh. <laughs> <laughs> You had to be all serious and dark and stuff. And, like, just that whole beginning, you know, it was really, really spooky. You know, like, the his mom is screaming and, like, the, the maid comes out and faints. And, like, he, he goes in there and then, you know, they they take him to, like, that bridge and throw him over. And don't forget. And I love. Don't forget what he didn't do that because he ate a cat who was uh, walked by his cage and he grabbed it. Oh, yeah. Like, that stuff's like, that's not Penguin. It's like, should be Killer Croc or something. Really? Yeah. I, I love that stuff. I mean, I love that stuff for Penguin because, I mean, just looking back on it now, it's like, that's how Penguin should be. Penguin shouldn't be, you know, this guy that's behind everybody. He should be this freak, you know, this freak that nobody wants. Yeah, we're going to disagree on that one. <laughs> I prefer more as the mob boss and all that. And, uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, how he's been so overly exposed in the comics and behind everything. That can be toned down, but I do like him better as a character when he's a mob boss. And somebody's trying to put up the front where he's a legitimate businessman, but he's doing like shady dealings behind the scenes. I, that's the payment I like best. Yeah, and it... Like, like going from that, that one scene where they throw him over you know, the the bridge, and he starts floating into the sewers. Mm-hmm. has to be, like, one of the coolest opening titles in all of film. 
I, I just love that opening. Yeah, but when it gets to the opening credits, I mean, it's cool when the bats come out and he says Batman Returns, you play the iconic theme, but it just goes on too long with the basket flowing down in the sewer <laughs> until, like, two giant penguins see it. Like, oh, I'm all God. like, thank goodness most movies now don't have opening credits. They just save it all for the end because <laughs> it just went on a little too long. I mean, if it didn't have the iconic Danny Elfman music playing there, it would be horrible to sit through. It's just a basket. I don't know what to tell you, Tim. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's like, it, it it's the context of it. It's, you know, Penguin is so unloved that his parents pretty much aborted him, you know, after he was born. You know, they, yeah. they threw him away, you know. It's, it's the whole context of it. And it makes him a tragic kind of hero. I mean, a tragic villain, sorry. Kind of like what uh, Greg Hurwitz did with his um, his Penguin, uh, Penguin Prejudice. Yeah, but uh, they didn't really, I mean, it started off that way, like you said, when the parents got rid of him. But as you're watching the movie, he's just such an unlikable character. He never had any moments when you actually see him where he goes, oh, well, like that poor guy, I feel sorry for him. He's just so grotesque and evil and disgusting and all these stuff that you see him doing which is like yeah I don't feel any sympathy really for this guy you do in the beginning but then at the end like as you're watching it in the scenes more scenes with him he's like no yeah I don't really get the sympathy if they were trying to go for that I'm not feeling it yeah but anyway Tim I guess I'll I'll, I'll never convince you I'll never convince you of this that Batman I mean Batman Returns is, is a good movie I, I I don't know why people have like this problem with it. I mean, yeah, it's not technically a Batman movie how we're used to Batman movies, but it's a unique take on on Batman. You know, because with 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 eighty nine, I felt that you know Tim Burton, yeah, he was being Tim Burton that that we all know, but he he was still kind of sticking to the to the uh, material in the in, in the comics, but like Batman Returns was solely his movie, and he yeah. made it the way he wanted to make it, and it, it it's it's just a great creative endeavor, and like I give Tim Burton props for that. Not so much for '89, although I I think that's a great movie too, but uh, Batman Returns to me feels like a Tim Burton movie, and I mean I guess. People can have a problem with that, but I, I just think it's a fresh take, and you know, it's not the sort of thing where it's the same thing from the comics, and it's just a retelling, you know. Yeah, that's definitely for sure. I mean, it's not like I don't—I haven't got to the point where I hate it. I'll never watch it again. I'll probably still watch it eventually sometime. I still probably get some enjoyment out of it, but yeah, just like I said, it's weird. This is the first time where I really kind of had a negative feeling towards it when I was done watching it, which I never had before. When I first saw it as a kid, I loved it. <laughs> I like, thought it was the greatest thing ever, like I said. But, and again, how can I really knock it when it gave us Batman the Animated Series? It's always going to have that to its claim to fame. <laughs> yeah, Tim, so I guess you have to say you love it. Right? <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> but, I mean, Batman Forever... I'm never going to watch that movie again unless we do a commentary for it, which I highly doubt. Yeah. 
But, yeah, I'm never watching that movie again. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the last time I ever popped that in. I think it was when I had it on VHS back in 95, 96, and that was probably it. Or w- when we did the commentary for the other side. Yeah, but it's not where I was really, like, watching it just because I wanted oh. to watch it and try to enjoy it. <laughs> I don't think that's ever going to happen again. Oh, yeah, and uh, Batman Returns has one of the grossest scenes ever in it. it, it it's when Penguin's <laughs> up in his loft, uh, and he comes down the spiral staircase, and he's eating that raw fish, yeah, like, see, which like is disgusting. He has all over his face. And then he bites so the guy's gross, and, like... I know, that was disgusting. And, like, that's the penguin I want to see. <laughs> you know, that freak, that circus freak, you know? Not this mob boss who who's behind everything, you know? Yeah, looks like we got another uh, Scott Snyder-Mr. Freeze uh, disagreement here <laughs> as far as the uh, So, Alex, Jake, which do you prefer? Do you prefer... The penguin as a mob boss, or do you uh, prefer the penguin as a circus freak that, you know, is loved and, you know, stuff like that? So let us know. <laughs> yes. And, and also, too, um, scared me as a little kid when I watched this. I was just entering uh, kindergarten when I first seen this movie. Um. Uh, Shrek's, uh, corpse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> After he gets electrocuted. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty disgusting. <laughs> that one's just funny. <laughs> yeah. And another gross scene, which is still gross to me today, and, uh, uh, it's just absolutely gross. I don't know why. I know that Catwoman is trying to be sexy and stuff, but... When uh, she licks Batman's face, oh, yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was gross. And like I, I told my girlfriend about that, and like, like sometimes she would just come up to me and lick my, my face, and I'm like, ah, it's gross. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's oh god, oh, it's, I get grossed out every time I think about it. I wonder how many takes it took to nail that scene down. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's like, what is that? Tim? I said I, I'm sure Michael Keaton enjoyed it. Oh yeah, I guess. But um, one thing I can agree with you on, Tim, and I, I don't know if this is a problem for you, but um, all of the bat suits that uh, Bruce has in that movie. Oh, you mean out on display, like in the, in the Batcave? Yeah, in the Batcave. Yeah. I will say... It, Too many Batsuits. The only thing that I thought was kind of funny was that they were all on hangers. <laughs> Just like, uh, I really used to see Batsuits on hangers. They're usually on display in cases where <laughs> he takes them out and puts them on. It just looked funny, like <laughs> the Batman department store or something. <laughs> But anyway, Tim, is there anything else you wanted to talk about with this uh, with this debacle? Since I like it, you hate it. <laughs> I, I think I got everything off my chest about it. What after I saw it, I was like, yeah, I want to talk about this movie on the next episode because <laughs> I never felt this way about it before, and I have to say something. <laughs> Maybe I'll watch that. It's a great movie. 
maybe I'll watch Batman Forever next and have the opposite where, oh, I love it. <laughs> and then you really will have to put me in an old home. <laughs> it's a great movie, Tim. I don't know I don't know what you see negative about it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, I'm not going to say great. I used to say it was good, but now I'm just going to say it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) All right. So, with that said, Tim, uh, I think we can get into our news, Tim. And I, I think I'll let you announce this next one, Tim, because you were waiting for this and waiting for this and talking about this and talking about this. So, why don't you introduce this next uh, thing? Yes, we finally got to see Bruce Timm's new Batman animated short, Batman Strange Days, and boy did I enjoy it. <laughs> it was just good to see more Bruce Timm uh, animated Batman content on screen. I know it came on this last Wednesday with uh, Teen Titans Go during one of those episodes during like its intermission and commercial break they played it. It's only about three minutes, but it's really cool. I mean, you're not going to be blown away by its story or anything, but it just has such a cool atmosphere because what I loved about it what Bruce Timm wanted to do with it was have it be a period piece where it's set in the 1940s when Batman was first created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, and he captured that look and feel with it perfectly. I mean, Batman looks really cool. I love his design. Really like those first early issues of Detective Comics with the real long ears. He has the purple gloves, though. It is in black and white, which I think is a, was a great design choice for it, and this really sets the mood and has a great atmosphere to it. And like yeah, and said, the color palette for the whole thing looked really, really good. Like, how, how it looked. Yeah. It looked like it was from, like, the 1940s or where, whatever. Yep, exactly. And it's mainly, of course, it's only three minutes, so it's mainly just going to be some action stuff. And it's not, like, the greatest action sequence you'll ever see uh, Batman do in an animated series. But, like I said, this the atmosphere is what sold it for me. And it was cool to see Batman take down that big thug and save that uh, damsel in distress by Dr. Hugo Strange. Probably my favorite image of it where, or a sequence of the whole short, was where Hugo Strange has that girl hostage and they're right by that cliff. And he's saying, I'm not afraid of you, Batman. Come on, or I'll kill her, or show yourself, or I'll kill her. But then you see Batman behind the smoke and just his silhouette and those cool dark um, shadow of his cow and his eyes behind the smoke. And this looked really cool. And you see Hugo Strange getting scareder and scareder as Batman moves closer. And then he, he says how he's not afraid. He moves back too far off the cliff, and he falls, and Bat- Batman uses his grapple to save the girl. And then while I was watching the whole thing, I was thinking to myself, if Bruce Tim's doing this, is he going to get Kevin Conroy to do the voice? But then Batman hasn't said a word yet, <laughs> and I just figured, okay, he's just not going to talk at all. But then the very last few seconds of the short, the girl asks him, is it over? And then Batman speaks. And it's Kevin Conroy. And he's, all he says is, for now. But <laughs> that's all it took for me to go, yes, he did do it. <laughs> and then afterwards, I'm like, man, I want a whole series like this now. <laughs> so, yeah, it was really cool. I mean, I hope Bruce Tim does some more like this. So, yes. I think yeah, the last happy. part. The, 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 yeah, the last part with uh, Kevin Conroy was probably the payoff and totally worth watching especially after all all that fighting fighting and like you know the mist and i mean it was just a great atmosphere i mean j- just how it was drawn and you know placing batman in there with solomon grundy and uh hugo strange i mean i just loved it 
and like that that I, I don't know what it is, but like Batman and Cliffs always reminds me of Mask of the Phantasm. <laughs> what part? Like the where the way Manor is with the bats flying out. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. and like you, you know, there's a couple. The, there's a couple of scenes where um, it, it shows, like, the cliff, Wayne Manor on the top, and, like, the, the waves crashing on the beach mm, okay. or on the rocks. I just love that. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> you know, what's uh, cool but, about it, too, is that it reminded me a lot of the iconic Detective Comics number 31 cover with Batman and the Mad Monk, where there's that mountaintop with the castle on there, but you see Batman looking down over it. It would have been cool if they had, like, an homage to that, but it's pretty much, I think, what this whole short was kind of basing itself on was just that one cover, because it really captured that look perfectly, despite not having that exact shot. But it definitely had the feel of that iconic cover. Yeah, and I'm with you, Tim. I really want to, I want to see a series, man. I know. I don't want to see Beware the Batman. I don't want to see Teen Titans Go. I don't want to see Young Justice. I don't want to see, you know, Batman Braving the Bold. I want to see this. Uh, I really want to see this. I mean, they, they got the time period correct. They got the colors correct. You know, the animation is spot on. And, you know, Kevin Conroy, how can you beat him? Yeah. How can you beat him? Like I always so, say, no matter oh, man, it's, like no matter how many different visual styles Batman has, Kevin Conroy's voice fits all of them, no matter how he looks. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, oh, I just I, I just want to. Yeah, so if you haven't I checked it out yet, you got to see this. It's really cool. I mean, I, I said this before too. Yeah. Though, I'd love to see a period piece Batman live action movie, but even animated form, like if one of the DC animated movies was a Batman story set in the 1940s or something like this. I mean, that'd be awesome. That'd be definitely be something different that they've never done before. And I think they should give it a try after how cool this one was. Yeah, and I don't think any superhero cartoon has ever done that, you know, set it in the 40s, except yeah. for, you know, cartoons that were made in the 40s. <laughs> yeah, like the super- not like, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's not like you... You see this very often, especially with the colors and the. I, I, I don't. I don't really know what to call the col- the colors, but it's just that certain tone. And if they keep with that, I mean, the the tone kind of reminds me of the title cards. Yeah, hey, from uh, call, them yeah. and the animated series yeah. a little bit. Yeah, and like, oh, I just want to see this <laughs> this series, please, please, if they're. If there's anybody from WB listening to this, please make that a series. You know, forget Beware the Batman. It's not coming back. Forget DVD sales. Just put this on TV, please. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't hold your breath. Because seeing how Beware the Batman got axed before it ran its episode, I think WB's probably done with these type of animated series, which sucks. Because they do it so great with all their shows they had in the past. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, man. I would love to see a series like this. It'd be so awesome. That's another dream. Well, it's kind of like a bad positive thing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it it's kind of like a bad positive thing because, like, you know, the, they're cutting back on the the animation stuff, except for for Teen Titans Go. I don't know why that's still on TV, by the way, but they're um. They're starting to come out with more live action stuff, you know, with the Gotham TV show, the Flash TV show, um, Arrow, of course. So, I mean, 
it's a give and take, I guess, right? Yeah, Warner Brothers needs to bring back Nathan as a golden age, golden age of animation program like they had in the 90s, because that was the best. They had some awesome shows during that time, and like you said, there seems to be more on the live action front now, but hopefully the animation won't be forgotten, and uh, this type of animation, 2D, not all CG. I mean, CG works for some shows, like Green Lantern, the animated series, and of course Clone Wars, more of the sci-fi realm, where like the CG stuff, but when it comes to Batman, even though Beware the Batman, the animation style was good, but you can't beat the 2D style like Bruce Tim does. It's just, <laughs> it's just timeless, really. Yeah, you're right. And, like, I mean, just just going back to, like, you know, the Batman and the Animated Series, yeah, sure, like, it's not the best animation in the world, but it works so damn effective. I mean, I, I don't really have to say that, but, like, it, it works so, so well. And, like, some of, like, the action scenes are kind of, like, like slow and awkward, but it works. It works. So, I mean, I... Yeah, I'm with you. I want to see more 2D animation, not not CGI, you know. Yeah, plus the 2D animation has a timeless feel when done right, like Batman the Animated Series, where some CG shows can be put out of date in the next few years. Where you're like, oh, that doesn't look as good as the CG technology now. So that's another, I think, plus for 2D animation. When done right, it could look good forever. Which in Batman the Animated yeah. Series case, I think it does. Yeah, not like the the X Men cartoon that didn't age well. Now the designs on there are like they're really good. It was like really detailed, but the animation quality, yeah, it doesn't hold up. Certain certain awkward movements where it's like almost in slow motion, especially the Spider Man '90 show. I love that show, <laughs> but man, the animation is horrible. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, uh, speaking of live action stuff, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There are three more actors that have joined the the Batman vs. Superman slash Man of Steel sequel uh, cast. And those three people are Oscar-winning actress Holly Hunter. Haven't seen her in anything. Have I? I don't think I have. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Uh, but, yeah, Holly Hunter, Kellen Mulvey of uh, 300 Rise of, of an Empire, so the sequel, which got, like, a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, he's going to be joining the, <laughs> the cast. Um, haven't seen him in anything. I think he's, like, a new actor, or he just hit with the 300 movie. Uh, and... Tao Okamoto of the Wolverine. I haven't seen the Wolverine, but uh, good. I'm sure she was good in it, right, Tim? Yeah, she was. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, the, those three a- actors, actresses, uh, are going to be joining the cast at, in um, in roles that are exclusively made for uh, the movie. So. Apparently, it's characters. Yeah, it's it's characters made for the movie. Um, but it could be like uh, you know Talia thing exactly. from Dark Knight Rises, where. <laughs> but here's the thing: that's 
because there has been some rumors regarding Holly Hunter's character, which I don't know. I was like, I'm hoping it's true, but at the same time, with her being cast, I don't know if I want it that way, where they're saying she might be Leslie Tompkins or possibly a new character but filling the Leslie Tompkins role. But with her being it, I, I think she would need to be older if she's going to play Leslie Tompkins. I mean, I think she's only not – I mean, she's probably maybe 15, maybe 20 years older than Ben Affleck. I don't know. I haven't checked her age. But I think Leslie Tompkins will have a big age difference there. Where She was probably in her mid-40s or something when uh, Bruce was a kid and his parents got killed. So if she, she's going to be Leslie Tompkins, I would kind of picture her to be older. But I don't know. That's just a rumor right now. But I did find it interesting because I do want to see Leslie Tompkins – be brought into a live-action Batman movie. I've been wanting that forever, so it'd be cool if she is in it, but I don't know. Like you said, they said they're brand-new characters for this movie, but like you said, maybe it's the Talia Al thing where they're going to keep it secret, but this is, these are part of the main cast. Like, it's not Batman, Superman, or Lex Luthor. They're just probably supporting characters. I don't know if they're going to have a big twist with any supporting characters, but I don't know. I don't see why they can't announce the characters. Though. I mean, they're keeping everything hush-hush about this. <laughs> It's funny, funny too. Yeah, because, which is a good thing. Yeah, but I don't know. When you announce casting for a movie, it's kind of good to know who they're playing instead of having more rumors and speculation about that. I mean, they did it for all the other characters with Cal Gadot as Wonder Woman and Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor, and these are supporting roles. So, still kind of surprised they're keeping it hush hush as far as who they're playing. I did think it's funny though in the official press release, it does say they'll be. Uh, joining the cast in the upcoming Zack Snyder untitled Superman slash Batman film. <laughs> so you'd have to put untitled in the press release. Like, hurry up and give it a name already. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, it, it was never announced that, you know, this movie is going to be called Batman Superman or Batman versus Superman, right? Yeah, but so just, I, you think they'd settle on a name by now. The script's probably done. <laughs> it has to have some type of title. Yeah, you're probably right, but um, you, you know, I, I was wondering recently, whatever happened to that whole Joaquin Phoenix rumor? You remember when he was the rumored Lex Luthor? Yeah, and like people were making like uh, Photoshop pictures of him, you know, bald, and like everybody was saying he was gonna be Lex Luthor. Whatever happened to that rumor? Well, Jesse Eisenberg got cast. <laughs> What's funny about that was just as the Joaquin Phoenix rumors were getting stronger and stronger, that's all you kept hearing. That's when Jesse Eisenberg was cast as Lex Luthor. Yeah, I know. It, it it was like, I mean, these people that were saying that it was going to be Joaquin Phoenix weren't even thinking Jesse Eisenberg. Nobody was thinking no. Jesse Eisenberg. I just think that was funny. <laughs> and, I mean, it's going to be the same thing with um, – with the Star Wars movie, whatever happened to that guy from Breaking Bad that was supposed to be on there, or whatever happened to that guy from Girls that was supposed to be a villain, you know, what what happened to them? And now the new rumor is that, like, this, uh, what's her name, this up-and-coming actress yeah. is going to be... So don't, like, wh- don't get me started on that rumor. Nothing against the actress, but just the rumor of the role she might be in as far as an offspring of Obi-Wan. Like, uh, no, don't go there, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, hey, listen. J.D. Abrams isn't stupid. Not yeah. even Lawrence Kasdan. I will say, like, I mean, I, I'm going in with an open mind. Like, whatever weird story idea that I might not think is going to be good now, I'm still going to go in there thinking, okay, 
I'll give it a shot and see what they do with it. Maybe it could be good, but I just have a hard time picturing Obi-Wan having any offspring. <laughs> but we'll see uh, whether they give it a chance. Yeah, but that would be kind of like saying, you know, uh, yeah, this movie is going to be Batman Superman, but uh, Batman's going to be a girl, but we're not going <laughs> to call her Batgirl. You know, like, we call her Lady Batman. <laughs> yeah, Lady Batman. You know, it's like, come on, that's stupid. That that's not logical. It's it it's kind of like this whole Sith rumor. You know, with the Episode Seven, didn't Luke and Anakin wipe out the Sith? Yep, Anakin fulfilled the prophecy at the end of Return exactly. of the Jedi. Yeah, that was the whole point of all six movies. So, so you're telling me they're going to throw away that whole point that Lucas was trying to create and, like, put a Sith in Episode 7? I don't think so. I really don't. Yeah, you can have Dark Jedi in there to be the villains in it, but just don't have them be a Sith. Or maybe have them trying to bring back the Sith Empire and all right. that, but they don't have to start off as Sith. They can just be Dark Jedi. Yeah. But, uh, Stupid just, internet rumors. I, I just can't wait to hear the official casting announcement. <laughs> it's got to be soon. I'm predicting like near the end of April, like the week of April 20th or something like that. A few weeks before May, which is when they're supposed to start shooting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm thinking late April or maybe even the first week of May. A lot of people are thinking maybe it's going to be on May the 4th to celebrate the May the 4th Be With You Day. Oh, yeah. But then again, it's, that's on a Sunday, and I keep hearing that no movie or Hollywood news breaks on a Sunday. It's like the one day off. <laughs> but then again, Star yeah. Wars breaks the mold on a lot of stuff, so you never know. Yeah, just like uh, the the announcement of J.J. Abrams. I yeah. mean, wasn't that like on a Friday night? Or yeah, something? late Friday night. I remember 9 o'clock. Yeah. I was like, I was still working, and then I get some, I get a notice on my phone, like, or no, I actually just checked StarWars.com for the heck of it, and like there it was, like, oh shoot, stop everything I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the same thing with um, the announcement of the new trilogy. I mean, it was like a Tuesday afternoon or something, right? Yeah, it was a Tuesday. How can I forget that magical day? <laughs> October what? October thirtieth. Thirtieth, right? I gotta check that right now. It's the thirtieth. I think it's the thirtieth. It is. Oh, you're right. The thirtieth. Ah, see, I know more about Star Wars than you do, Tim. I see it's losing my memory in my old age. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty soon you're gonna be watching Batman Forever, you know, and analyzing it. And then we gotta put you in the old age, old age home, unfortunately. Just put me in a wheelbarrow and roll me up to the old folks home and ring the buzzer and leave me there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but but it was also true with um, uh, the the Ben Affleck announcement too. Yeah, I mean, wasn't that like a, on a Wednesday or something? It was a Thursday at night. It was like Thursday, like Thursday around at six o'clock. I remember. That was right, right. Where I found out because uh, uh, someone I follow on Twitter. She sent me a tweet saying, I'm not digging the new Batman. I don't know, what? what's she talking about? But I was looking at everything I saw was Ben Affleck as Batman. Ben Affleck as Batman. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you texted me, after. I guess after you got that, yeah. or after you read a story, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what, what? And you're just like, J- just type in Ben Affleck in Google. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it's like but anyway. the things I'm most into, Star Wars and Batman. I have when big news breaks on that, I have, I'm always told by someone else. I'm never like the first to discover it on my own. But every other stuff, I find out like I'm online and I see it breaking right then and there. But when it's the big stuff, I really really care about. Someone else always has to tell me. It's like I hate that. <laughs> I know. I know when we get the casting announcement, I'm going to be out somewhere doing something where I'm not at home. <laughs> You're going to be at a concert or something. <laughs> You're going to find out till like one o'clock in the morning, <laughs> or it's going to be real early in the morning, and I'm going to wake up to that news. That's what I want. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I guess. Um, I guess we can move on to our conversation with the Alex. Right? <laughs> the Alex, yes. The one and only. No, the the Alexander. My bad. I forgot. We're calling Alex Alexander and Jacob. Jake Jacob. So, um, Alexander says, Hey, bat fans without pants and socks and a 52-inch waist. I added that whole part in there <laughs> because he just says, Hey, bat fans. Um. He says, no wonder you guys aren't wearing pants with 52-inch waists. That would be some expensive apparel. I'm <laughs> just kidding. That Great episode, true. guys. Thank you, Alex. Yeah. I mean, a 52-inch waist? How? I mean... I could literally fit my whole it, body it, into it, one it, leg. <laughs> is that for, like, obese people? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I guess we're, it, I guess it's good we're not 50, we don't have 52 inch waists, but um, he goes on to say I thought it was I thought I was the only one that had a problem with the Arkham suit. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. <laughs> Everybody seems to like it. Tim liked it. Terrence liked it. Rob liked it. Everybody in the Batman universe liked it, except for me. And I felt like an outcast. Now I feel part of the group. You're groupie. The, no, no, the, no, the no, Alexander an outcast. Group. You and Alex, so. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he says, it looks ridiculous to me, but I really like the Arkham Origins design. See, me and Alex, we're like, we're like one. We're like one person. See? But now we're going to have to find out what he thinks about Batman Returns, uh, if he's he's there or not. (laughs) (laughs) No, because he he disagrees with me uh, a little later on. (laughs) But he says... He says, yeah, it looked ridiculous to me, but I really liked Arkham Origins design. There were lots of people getting upset that the Nolan movies didn't use the Arkham costume and thought those games have perfect designs for live action. I'm so I'm so glad when studios ignore fans. In my opinion, you shouldn't mix a cartoonish comics... <laughs> a cartoonish slash comic costume in the real world. If it's not practical, you have to go the Tim Burton or like the Batman dead end route and create a comic book world first. I know a lot of people would disagree, although I could see something similar to the Origins costume working. My favorite design is the gray and black in the new animated series, like Tim said, but I wish he had the slimmer build of JLU. I can see that. And then he goes on to agree with you some more, Tim. I agree with Tim on Heart of Vice being a better Mr. Freeze origin. But. I don't like the but. <laughs> there's a big but. He says, I agree with Dane that the Batman Begins origin for Batman is better than the 89 version. Uh, so thank you, Alex. 
So he's one with me and one with you. Batman Returns is going to be the tiebreaker. (laughs) So, yeah, we've solved nothing yet. So, Alex, (laughs) after you listen to this, let us know about Penguin. Uh, but he goes on to say, I'm with you guys on the casting in Gotham. I think they look good, especially the Penguin. I don't understand all the complaints, but it seems like if it's anything other than a comic book costume, people get upset. I just care about the writing and acting. I tried multiple times getting into Arrow, and it's just been too cheesy for me because of that. Thank you, Alex. See, we agree. We're you haven't one. even watched Arrow yet, so <laughs> you can't comment on it. It depends how far Alex got in Arrow because, man, second half of season one, but pretty much all of season two has been awesome. I mean, if you're a fan of Deathstroke, you have to watch season two. <laughs> it's been great. So maybe you just give season yeah, two but, a shot, Alex. Yeah, but I, I personally don't want to go through that that whole Lana Lang thing in Arrow again. You just, know? If you're ever going to watch it, maybe just skip to season two when – catch up on, like, when they have flashbacks or previously on Arrow. <laughs> Even the very first episode of season two was, like, previously on the first season of Arrow or something like that. Yeah. To get you all caught up. Because, I mean, I, I just cannot go through another another romance that goes nowhere. <laughs> when it's on the season uh, you, that's a given for any show. <laughs> you just have to put up with it. Yeah, no, it's always about love, and they can never be together because <laughs> because some stupid reason. <laughs> because they have to protect, like the hero has to protect his girlfriend. That's why. Did you see the promo for that show? Um, <laughs> I think it got canceled. It was on the CW, and it was uh, it started the girl from. Um, I mean, I, I don't know her name offhand, but it starred the girl from, uh, what is that, uh, Smallville, that played Lana. Okay. Oh, the Beauty of and, the Beast? Like, it was Beauty and the Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're, like, terrible. <laughs> it's actually a remake of an old, like, early 90s show called Beauty of the Beast. Really? That starred uh, Linda, Ham- Linda Hamilton. And, uh, oh, come on. Why am I blanking on his name now? Clayface. Clayface. Hell, Hellboy. How can you, why am I blanking? Oh, yeah. Rob Perlman. <laughs> oh, Ron Perlman. Yeah, how could I? Yeah, <laughs> idiot for forgetting his name. <laughs> he was the beast. <laughs> <laughs> that show looks terrible. I mean, I, I don't know if it's still on. Maybe I canceled. But, like, man, CW puts on some crap. I know my mom watches that show. <laughs> oh, she's, really? She was a big fan of the original series I was talking about. And so I guess she wanted to check this one out. But yeah, I'm digging it. Yeah, she still watches it, so. <laughs> but I think you're right. I think it's on its way of being canceled. Yeah, yeah. Just like that 90210 one that uh, Matt Lanter was on. Yeah. <laughs> that one got canned. But he had a pretty it, good gig, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is uh, Gossip Girl still on the CW? Uh, I don't know. I don't see any commercials for it when I'm watching Arrow, so <laughs> I, I'll say no. <laughs> it's because I know this guy. It's like you, 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 you wouldn't think he would watch something like that. I mean, he, he lifts weights. He's a man's man, but he loves Gossip Girl for some reason. <laughs> really? It's like, you got to get into it, man. you got to get into it. It's like, uh, yeah, nope. 
No thanks. Uh, I really don't have to see that show. <laughs> but anyway, um, Alex has three questions. Wow, Alex. You, you really, I mean, I don't know where you come up with this stuff, but thanks for sending it in. <laughs> uh, Alright, so his first question is, what do you think is the end game for the Joker? Who ends up killing him? I would, I don't know, the part of me wants to see it where Batman has no other choice, where he ends up being the one who kills the Joker, and that's his only kill that he ever makes. And maybe that's what causes him to stop being Batman, because he broke his one rule, but he had to. And it's the Joker, because I don't think Joker would allow anyone else to kill him but Batman. So, And I know Batman Beyond Return of the Joker pretty much did the next best thing where it was Tim Drake who ended up killing the Joker. But the whole story surrounding up why and how it happened was just done perfectly. So I do like that in-game scenario, but... Ultimately, why if Joker has to die in the story, I think it should be Batman, and maybe that'll just be the final Batman Joker story. But then again, I'm not a talented writer, so <laughs> there's probably a bunch of other creative people who could do a much better endgame Joker story than I could. But that's the one yeah. that comes to mind. I'm gonna say Gordon. Um, I could see it where maybe Joker ends up killing Babs. Mm-hmm. Or something, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's one of those Commissioner Gordon censored stories, and you know, Batman tries and tries and tries and tries to stop Gordon from what he's doing, he's gonna do, but Gordon gets his way, and you know, Batman kind of turns his back, you know. Maybe that'll be the end Gordon story where he gets fired from the police department because yeah. he pretty much kills him out of revenge. That's an interesting. Way to go. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I originally thought of that that sort of ending for James, James Jr. Mm, yeah. But Gil Simone had to go screw that up and screw up that whole comic, so. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so lame. Um, but his, his second, um, his second uh, question is, if Batman was given superpowers, how do you think that would change his character? Would he appreciate being able to do his job easier, or would he be upset that a lot of the challenge was removed, revealing that he wasn't all about justice and he actually enjoyed the game with his villains? Yeah, I think, well, first of all, if Batman gets superpowers, if anything like Superman, there's no stopping him. He's the ultimate superhero there is. <laughs> superpowers, and with his smarts, and it's already his trained fighting skills, I mean, he'd be the ultimate being in the universe, really. <laughs> but at the same time, I think he has enough um, mental will, or whatever you're going to call it, to not let it go to his head and make him power hungry, or have himself rule over the world with these new powers or like Alex was saying miss the challenge of it I think he'll put it to good use and just use it as a tool like he does all his other stuff to help us in his war against crime like he would be the ultimate Superman <laughs> really if he had superpowers yeah I I don't think he'd use them because I think he is so egotistical that he needs to be like um, this was a man to man fight and I beat you that you know, that sort of train of thought. You know, mm-hmm. I think he needs that more than he, you know, he needs superpowers. Um, I can see that. Cause, but 
going back to the, I mean, it's a little different, but kind of the same idea what you were going at with in the Batman Beyond episode where Talia wants him to take a dip into the Lazarus pit to regain his youth, and he calls it a cheat. So, yeah, maybe if, maybe it depends on how he gets his superpowers. He'll use it at the cheat. But I kind of like to think you just use it as another tool and a weapon in his war against crime. But I could definitely see it going the way he said, too. Yeah. Uh, but his third and final question, we have to say goodbye to Alexander after this, Tim. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> I said after this, Tim. Okay, sorry, I jumped again. Uh, but his third question is, if Bruce confronted the killer of his parents years before he became the Batman, how would that change his path? Well, we kind of got that story in the Dark Knight Zero Year issue, where he found Joe Chill and he was just like this bum, like drunk, who <laughs> was like wasn't what he was expecting. And I don't think it de- see it depends on his origin story, whoever's writing it, how it's done. If it's the way, which how I like it is how he made the promise and the vow to his parents to avenge their death and to make sure what happened to him doesn't happen to anyone else. It doesn't matter if he ever find Joe Chill or not before he was Batman. He could still continue on with that promise. But if it's some different way and they just do it where he's out for revenge against Joe Chill and that's it, then maybe he never becomes Batman after that. So I don't know. I, for me personally, I like to think it wouldn't have any effect on him becoming Batman because he's just so determined to keep his promise to his parents. I, I kind of think, I mean, I agree with you, Tim, but I kind of think that if he um, confronted Joe Chill uh, before he became Batman, it might have ter- turned him, it, it could have possibly turned him into a villain instead of, you know, a hero, a superhero. I think he would have, you know, been in that train of thought where he was like, you took my parents from me. I hate you. And then he would have took that and just let that grow on him and grow on him and grow on him. And he doesn't go and find, you know, all these people that teach him martial arts and all this other stuff. And he would just stew with that hatred until, you know, one day he snaps and he becomes the villain, you know. Yeah. Instead of, you know, going out – and training and training and training and training and coming back to Gotham and, you know, realizing that he has to use what he's learned to keep this kind of thing from not happening. So I think it would have, I think it would have uh, turned him into a villain because he would be so hateful and he would never, he would never have had that moment of um, uh, enlightenment or uh, he wouldn't have that moment of kind Kind of like forgiveness, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. or putting it behind him, uh, but still keeping the message with him. I, I, I think it would have just turned him into a villain if he hadn't gone out. Yeah, and it, if he had confronted Jojo. Yeah, that's a cool idea too because you hear Batman say all the time where if he kills someone and he falls steps into that abyss, there's no going back. I mean, he's in there now; it's going to get worse and worse, like he said. So, yeah, that's another right. cool take for it, too. We should write, like, those what-if stories, <laughs> alternate universe yeah. timelines. Um, but anyway, uh, that wraps up our conversation with Alex and all of our listener email. If you want to email us, you can email us at thatfanswithoutpants at gmail.com. 
so we can finally, Tim, 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 Tim. Yes, yes. <laughs> we can finally move into our comic book reviews. So before we get to that, we always say this is going to be very, very spoilerish, spoilery, spoilerific. So if you haven't read your books yet, you uh, might want to come back to this spot after you read them because you don't want to be spoiled. You, you don't want to be – I mean – you don't want to find out that there's a Sith in uh, Episode 7. You don't want to find out that Chewbacca dies in Episode <laughs> 7. You don't want to find out that Han Solo dies. You don't want to find out that, you know... Uh, Jar Jar is the mastermind behind the Sith Empire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and by the way, um, after listening to the, the Episode 1 commentary... Uh, with Sam Woodward uh-huh. and uh, Jason and Jimmy Mack, I have to say, I think I finally get Jar Jar and why Jar Jar is in that in Episode One and why he's so flamboyant. <laughs> I'm trying to now, remember what Sam Woodward said on there, but I know there's, there's always the reason where it, even Mark Hamill said it. Where yeah, people complain he's annoying and all that, but he was supposed to be annoying. That's the whole point of the character <laughs> to kind of show. You know, like no, I, I mean, I, I don't think that's the point of the character to be irritating. I think the point of the character is to show that, you know, yeah, there's people with power in in the Star Wars universe. You know, there's politicians, there's senators, there's Jedi, there's, you know, the the troopers, there's stormtroopers, but there's also you know, innocence in the universe. There's also, you know, people in the universe where if there wasn't senators and congress, I mean, not congressmen, but senators and politicians in the universe that try to protect against evil, that those, you know, innocent races would just be wiped off the face of the earth. And that's why we don't see Gungans in episode uh, four. Or the OT. And plus, too, it also shows, too, how the innocent can be manipulated by those politicians. It's like how Palpatine pretty much manipulated Jar Jar for giving, giving him those emergency powers, too. Right, in episode, in episode two. Yep. Because, you know, Jar Jar isn't the brightest bulb, <laughs> you know, in the galaxy. Um, but I don't think his purpose is to be irritating and I think that's kind of a slap in the face to the character yeah sure he's annoying as hell in episode 1 and I can't stand it sometimes but you know it's just to show the innocence of you know some races in the universe and how easily they can be manipulated and destroyed and wiped out just like the Wookiees um but anyway (laughs) well said that's my (laughs) And I, I, I'll make, uh, I'll say this till the day I die. The episode one novelization, Jar Jar has one of the most insightful lines in the entire Star Wars, Star Wars universe. And it's that line where he said he, it's, uh, it's for, it's right before the Battle of Naboo. And he, uh, he sees all of the, all of the droids coming in. And he realizes that, you know, if you kill a droid, it's not going to feel anything. It's just going to go offline. But if you kill a Gungan, it's going to, you know, feel pain and it's going to die a horrible death. 
and that's one of the most insightful lines of the entire Star Wars universe. I so I don't care what you say about Jar Jar. Yeah, he's irritating, but there's some insight in there. Yes, I will say too, if you well, if you watch them, you have the two episodes in the Clone Wars season six. They're probably the best and funniest Jar Jar episodes there are there, and it's not funny where you're laughing at it, but actually genuinely funny stuff where, where like, oh, Jar Jar is actually funny in this. I don't love Jar Jar that much, man. <laughs> you should watch him solo. You might get a kick out. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. So, so like we said before, we went into that Star Wars tangent. <laughs> uh, lots of spoilers. Lots of um, spoilery stuff. So, uh, come back to this section later if you haven't read your books. Uh, but for this episode, we're um, we're covering the, the weeks of April 2nd and April 9th. For April 2nd, we have Detective Comics number 30. And for April 9th, we have Batman Eternal number 1. So, uh, Tim, for April 2nd, why don't you give us our, your uh, review of Detective Comics number 30? And for my review, how about a rating scale? Um, the ways uh, Jar Jar is important in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, Detective Comics number 30. We're finally starting a new creative team with Francis Manipal and Brian Bouchelato, which I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong. <laughs> but I was a big fan of their run on The Flash and was really anxiously awaiting to see what they're going to do with Detective Comics. Because the art style that they did for Flash was really unique and distinctive, and I thought it fit the Flash universe perfect. And I was curious to see how it would, if it would work the same way for Batman. And after reading the first issue, I could say, yes, it definitely does. <laughs> because it's, I think this pretty much what I love about this issue is how it looks. I just love the design, the coloring of it. Just, it's a different look for a Batman comic. I think it does work well. And I love the intro for it where it's Batman. We see these, like, three thugs talking about wanting to get high on something, but they actually have children kidnapped and held hostage. I always love it when Batman rescues children who are being held captive by supervillains or, in this case, being kidnapped by these uh, people who are on drugs and just, like, street thugs. And, you know, when it comes to children, Batman probably takes it a little more seriously than he does other uh, crime scenes. So I just love that when Batman rescues children and kind of reassures them that it's going to be okay, even though he looks all dark and menacing <laughs> there. You wouldn't think it would be someone children are afraid of, but yet he's on their side, so... There was actually a really cool uh, chase sequence, too, that was done. There some great panels that they did of this issue where Batman, not, one of the crooks is making his way on a motorcycle, but Batman uses his uh, zip line to knock the people on the motorcycle down. And just the way it's laid out in these two pages is this really good effect where it's giving the sensation of the speed of the motorcycles, but yet Batman knocking them out over with the zip line. It was just done really well. But the main uh, story with this issue is that um, there's this new uh, businesswoman named Elena who's trying to get Bruce to go along with her in her, like, restoration of, like, this part of Gotham City that is pretty much, like, run down in the slums. It's kind of like the ethnic portion of Gotham that has different ethnicities in there, and it's being used for, like, drugs and crime and all that. But while Bruce is standing to lose money while investing and being partners with her in it, it's kind of something really he can't ignore and she, she's trying to sell her case to Bruce for him to go and partner with her, and she does, and Bruce agrees to do it. But they want to transform that part of Gotham because it's really important to her. Because what's cool about the issue is that they tied into what happened in Zero Year, where Bruce made that big speech in the, 
right before the Joker or the Red Hood gang took control of the Axis Chemicals, Bruce made that speech. It kind of inspired this new, uh, this woman, Elena, to move to Gotham and to try to make it for the better because of Bruce's speech. I love how it kind of tied into that. So it's good to have some synergy and what happened in the past and zero year and still having effects in the present. But then when I was reading that, I was thought, well, this could be something where this woman, Elena, is going to be really a bad guy, and she's just kind of putting up a front to get Bruce to be in partners with her. So I was kind of thinking, that's oh, going to be one of those predictable story elements where she ends up being bad. But what happens at the end where Bruce is fixing Damien's motorcycle, more of like a way of him to ease the pain of Damien's loss, and Alfred's trying to tell him he has to move on. But then uh, they hear something in the back cave, and it's like the alarm goes off saying there's an intruder. Bruce goes up there, up the stairs, and he sees that woman, Elena, like, on fire, just, like, screaming his name, Bruce. Like, then he's, like, holding her just in shock, really. And that's how the issue ends. Like, okay, what just happened here? And it's centering on this new drug that's making its way around the streets of Gotham. So I think that's going to be the main thrust of it that uh, Batman's going to have to do. with. It's called Icarus. And that's what the name of the story is, what the name of the drug is. So we'll see how big it plays into the story. And I also like to, I don't know if it's an odd set of the animated series, but one of the main mob bosses is named uh, the, uh, the Squid. <laughs> they didn't say if his name was Sid the Squid, but <laughs> it would be cool if it was a nod to Batman in the animated series. But overall, it's kind of putting the Detective Batman, the Detective Comics, it's kind of its own thing. And Penguin hasn't showed up at all, and no indications of the Penguin at all. So that's a good thing. <laughs> so overall, it's off to a good start. I just love the artwork in this book. It's really cool. It's definitely unique amongst the Batman titles. So I'm going to go ahead and give it four out of five ways Jar Jar is important to the Star Wars universe. Okay, Tim, are you are, are you ready, Tim? I am ready. I love this issue yes. of Detective Comics. I'm we holding got my breath. We got you back on Detective. <laughs> yeah, I'm holding my breath that, that this isn't going to turn out to be, you know, <laughs> a crap story like, um, oh, what's his name, Tony Daniels or whoever. John Lehman. I'm holding my breath, but John Lehman. But, man, I love this issue. Like you said, the art is so amazing. And oh, I, I just love the art. I mean, it's it's hard to find the word, you know, to describe it. Um, maybe maybe haunted, like haunting. Mm-hmm. No, it's kind of haunting to see. And like, it, it's so great to see um, different parts of Gotham, you know, because you kind of forget. You know, that Gotham isn't all tall buildings and, yeah. you know, New, New York-ish, you know. Or, or the narrow stuff, to, like everyone yeah. to show off. Yeah, it's, it's great to see uh, some variations, you know, in in Gotham. And you kind of forget about that, and it's, it's great to see. Um, like you... Um, I'm just going to repeat what you said because (laughs) I just love this issue. Um, Like you, I thought this was going to be one of those um, generic stories that we've seen thousands and thousands and thousands of times. I thought this was going to be another um, – what's her name? Uh, Sophia? Sophie? Uh, Man, why am I blanking on her name? Uh, Dick Grayson. Uh, Sonia. Yeah, Sonia Branch. 
Yeah, Sonya Zuko. I thought this was going to be another Sonya Zuko thing, and, you know, except a little more sinister. And, you know, you get to the end of the issue, and it's like, oh, my God. Like, what are they doing? I mean, why are they doing this? And it makes no sense, but, man, I I, I just want to see what happens with this. And, man, it's so great to love Detective Comics again. It's it's (laughs) such a great feeling. No more Mad Bat. No more crappy storylines. Man, it's so great. And... Like I said, and you said, the art was fantastic, and it, it, it's great how they um, they kind of hinted at, you know, the whole Bruce and Damien thing, how Bruce is still haunted by Damien's death. Yeah. But but they didn't, like, bash you over the head with it because there's some books, especially, like, the Five Days of Grieving or whatever it was called, where it bashes you over the head and it's like, okay, okay, I understand, Bruce is sad, Bruce is sad, especially that Frankenstein uh, issue of Batman and Robin, which was terrible. Um, but I like how, how they just sort of mentioned it, mentioned it, you know, just briefly, and then you know, just to cut to that scene where she's on fire, and you know, oh man, that was so gruesome. Um, so yeah, I'm so excited to look. Uh, I'm so excited for the future. I really am for Detective Comics because I haven't liked it in two years since you know Scott Snyder ended his run on it. So, I I just can't wait to see what happens next. So I'm gonna give this four and a half out of five. Um, uh, reasons Jar Jar is important to the <laughs> Star Wars universe. Um, but why don't you give us? Oh no, wait! B- before you give us your uh, your review for uh, Batman Eternal, Tim, I just have to say one more time. That I can't believe I love this issue. It's been so long. <laughs> it really has. It, it, it's kind of like, yeah. I mean, it's been two years, three years, and it's like, it's it's a flagship title. I mean, it's the name of the company. Yeah. And it's like it's it's been terrible for two, three years, and just to read an issue that I loved and couldn't put down. I can't wait to see what happens next and you know the art was fantastic and you know um in one issue i think um see i don't even know their names um francis manipal and brian bouchelato yeah manipal and yeah and brian bouchelato I, th- I think they just breathed new life into this, into yeah. this book but i'm holding my breath but it feels good <laughs> it, it feels like this is going to be be a good stay for them and it's going to be a good book from now on hopefully because you know we lost uh the dark knight yeah. um so hopefully this is good, and now I can say that I like Detective Comics again, and now I can finally say, remember Tim, I finally like a Marvel movie. Yeah, I was shocked when you told me you liked Captain America, but went to Solo. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I love that movie. That movie was awesome. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, like I told you, Tim, if Captain America 3 is anything like Captain America 2, Batman Superman is going to have to, like, be over the moon <laughs> yeah. to beat it. Like I said, too, the way Cap fought in the Winter Soldier, I want to see Batman fight like that. I mean, the, the stuff he was doing was awesome. The fight choreography. Was yeah, it was less really CG. Cool. Yeah. It had the CG where it needed it, but not where it didn't need it. Yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> Batman Eternal. <laughs> what did you think, Tim? 
Yeah, so Batman Eternal, I think, for its first issue, I think it's off to a pretty cool start. It's just setting things up. You know, there's a bigger story being planned here since it's a weekly book than what was told in issue number one. But it gets your attention right away when you open it because you see Bruce, Bruce <laughs> tied up to the bat signal, all burnt out and cracked, and Gotham City's on fire and there's blood all, all over his eyes. And there's this vo- a voice talking to him saying, watch Bruce, watch as you lose everything. So it's like, whoa, okay, what the heck happened and how is this all going to come about? <laughs> I'm kind of guessing the way this issue started is going to be the very last issue of Batman Eternal because <laughs> it starts out by saying the end. But then we flash back to the present time. This takes place, um, of course, after Zero Year and I think after um, Forever Evil, which, by the way, it stinks that Forever Evil, the last issue, and Nightwing number 30 got pushed back till May. So it's like going to be wait even longer to see the fallout from that story. Like, uh, come on. Should have had a better plan for an event title. But this issue starts with a new rookie cop or detective who's coming, who's transferred over to Gotham by Gordon's request. And he's like, a big, kind of like the next big thing. He has a good track record. He's like one of the best cops, and now he's being transferred to Gotham. But then we get a cool uh, sequence where Gordon's uh, having to shoot out and protecting some kids, but it's Professor Pig and some of his mechanical pigs and what looks like a museum because he's like this old uh, airplane he's flying around in. So it's pretty cool to see Professor Pig back, <laughs> and Batman's taking him down with one of his armored suits, which looks like I think was the one he used in uh, Court of Owls where he was fighting off the Talons in the Batcave. So it was cool to see that again. But um, So that was a cool, pretty much, action sequence, kind of like you see in the beginning of the movie. Not something that has direct ties into the main plot, but just a good way to start off the story with a cool action sequence. But what happens here is that really it's about a fallout from what's going to happen with Corden. And again, we're bringing back the character Forbes, who I didn't go back and look, but I think it's that same cop from the early issues of The Dark Knight who wanted to bring Gordon down and you just really didn't like him. I kind of forgot about him, but now he's back, kind of with the same thing, telling this rookie cop, like, don't believe in Gordon, he's not a good cop, blah, 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 I'm trying to take him down and like, you shouldn't like trust him and all that stuff. So the whole theme of this issue is pretty much like the fall of Gordon, because what happens, Gordon chases off one of the crooks who was with Professor Pig, and Batman went after Pig. Batman captures Pig, but then we see Gordon down in the subway, and this person has a – Gordon sees that he has a gun, but the person actually doesn't. And when Gordon shoots him, it kind of – he says it shot right through him like like he was a, a ghost or something. It phased out of him. And But so he shoots a high-voltage uh, box, which causes some problems with two oncoming trains where they have a collision in the subway. And Batman's able to save Gordon, but the, there's a massive damage with those two subways crashing into each other. And – it's pretty much Gordon's fault is what the cop Forbes and even Gordon himself said, yeah, this is my fault. I screwed up. Like, I caused the deaths of all these people. And then he ends up, uh, Forbes makes that rookie cop who Gordon hired and transferred here to arrest him. And Gordon's all like, yeah, you do it. You just got to <laughs> do your job and, like, just make sure, like, you keep – I don't remember exact words, but it's like stay true to yourself type of thing or, like, just always do what's right. And, like, just remember who you are type of thing. Like, don't let anyone corrupt you and all that. Makes always do it for what's good of the city and not to lose his way. So it ends with Gordon being arrested by the rookie cop. And then the very last panel goes back to showing Bruce, his eyes is full of blood, tied up to the bat signal again, just saying, like, the issue ends. I believe the last word was, like, 
can't you see the grand design? Like, it's pretty much harkening back to what we saw in this issue was just the beginning of what's about to happen. So pretty much just a setup issue. Gordon's been taken down. He's arrested. And we'll see where we go from there. So I'm sure it's going to have a major fallback against Batman now that Gordon's not there to help him out. So overall, it was solid. Nothing really great or mind-blowing, but definitely has me intrigued to see what Batman Eternal is really going to be about. So I'm going to go ahead and give it three out of five uh, ways Jar Jar is important to the Star Wars universe. Um, yeah, I, I didn't get to read the whole thing, so I, I I just read, like, the first part before the titles. Okay. I mean, before the... <laughs> Before it cuts to the past, I guess. That's right. You said the first page there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I I just opened it up and I was, on my phone and I was like, wait, w- w- where are we starting this story? I mean, did did I miss something? Was this continuing from something else? Um, because I, I don't remember seeing or reading anywhere that you know that was supposed to read anything, but. Whatever. Yeah, so, you really uh, don't. I, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad that, you know, it cuts back to the past. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just hope anyway. it can have a consistent uh, weekly issue where it's not one week's good, one week's bad, next week good, one week bad. Because the, for the most part, I'd say 52 was a success where the majority of the issues were good on a consistent basis. So, But then the countdown wasn't that great, and Trinity, I didn't make it that far, so... <laughs> Hopefully this this one will be good for the whole year. All right. So with that said, Tim, we are done, Tim. Episode 54 in the books. Yeah, we're finally move on to uh, episode 55. Getting older again. Uh, stream of time uh, moves on. <laughs> we're losing years, man. We're gotta losing make, years. Gotta make them count. Yeah, otherwise we're going to have to... Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be put in a home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we're gonna love Batman forever. Uh, but anyway, uh, just go to BatmanUniverse.com. Uh, fo- follow the Facebook page at Facebook.com/slash/BatmanUniverse, and follow the Twitter at Twitter handles at BatmanUniverse. And you can follow all of us on Twitter and uh. Tim's Twitter handle is at TimG311. Mine is at Dane Says Banana. Uh, but I don't really tweet. I just uh, follow people. Although I did tweet once, right, Tim? Yeah, I think you have four tweets if you look at your profile. <laughs> oh, do I? I, I have four so. tweets? <laughs> Hold on one second. Oh, yeah, I do. I think your last one was to me, wasn't it? Yeah, about uh, the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you easily could have texted me, but it was nice to see a tweet from you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's funny how somebody with four tweets has 48 followers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's anyway. Gotta, it's got to be your profile picture of Portland. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's got to be. And the background of Obi-Wan. That's a limited confidence uh, right there. Yep. Uh, but anyway, uh, you can email us at uh, badfanswithoutpants at gmail.com, and you can check out our Facebook page at facebook.com 
slash Podcast. So, uh, with that said, we just want to remind you that you can go over to tweaktoaudio.com, and uh, if you need a pair of headphones or earphones or earbuds or whatever you call them, and uh, on your checkout, just type in the code TVUSAVES and you can receive... 33% off your entire order and free worldwide shipping. So, with that said, Tim, say goodbye to the good people. Goodbye, all the good people. So long, Tim. So long, farewell. I'll be to say goodbye. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, that was, that was good. Yeah, bro, it's right